So let me tell you something I've observed over the last two weeks in my personal life. Uh, two weeks ago, my family and I were on spring break. It was awesome. I mean, because there comes this moment in adulting where you go from having a spring break in you know, middle school, high school, we went to college, you got a spring break in college, and then you adult and you lose your spring break. Do you realize that? Do you remember the moment that you realized, wait, 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 I don't have a spring break anymore? It's a terrifying moment because it sinks in, I'll never have one again. But then glory comes around when you have kids. And one of the benefits, there's a couple, but one of the benefits of having children is you get your spring break back. So I love spring break. We look forward to spring break. So I took off the whole week, Becky and I, we, we took off and we take our kids, we go and visit family. And there's just something about an entire week with no obligations. I mean, sure, okay, we're going to this family's house. We, those are good obligations, I don't mind keeping those. But life is a lot more simple on spring break. And, and some of you are like, I went to Disney. Well, that's your own fault. I can't, I don't know what to tell you on that one, right? That one, I did not do Disney on spring break. So it was very simple. It was relaxing. It was just kind of, you get back to the, to the basics of your family. Like you see your kids throughout the day and then you're like, no, no, I'm ready for school to kick back in, right? No. But things are simple during spring break. So that was two weeks ago. This last week was horrible because you're back into everything all of a sudden, right? There's no buffer. You're it was spring break. We got back late on Saturday and you just hit the ground running on Sunday. Kids jump back into school and we're on soccer fields. And it's just, it's part of life. And you go from this, wow, life is simple to it got real complicated again. And that's gonna happen. The weekends are even short bursts of that where you think, oh, this was just, this was a nice weekend. It was simple. I did some yard work. We got to hang out. Sure, we have things, you know, driving kids around sports is kind of crazy, but it was wonderful. But then we have Monday morning tomorrow. We're speaking of tomorrow morning. Do you guys know what the date is tomorrow morning? It's the 15th. So there's something that is due on the 15th. Are you aware of this? If you're not aware of this, you need to check your calendar or else you'll be getting a not so nice notice from some IRS group at one point. But what I have in my hand is a, it's a little over 2,600 pages. This is the tax law book. It's big. It's like three times the size of my own Bible, which, which gives us insight into getting into heaven versus getting your taxes all ordered. But here's my point is your weekend was relaxing. Your weekend was simple. And then as of tomorrow, you've got to figure all this out if you haven't already. Life has a way of making it complicated, doesn't it? Where everything was super simple, all of a sudden you get something like this thrown in your lap and you're like, okay, I've got to figure this out. Things get complicated at work. Things get complicated in your marriage. Things get complicated with your other relationships and with parenting, with an extended family. Things get complicated in our finances. And we just want to retreat back to spring break again. <laughs> We want the weekend, right? We say things, oh, the weekend can't get here fast enough. Oh, I can't wait for our next vacation, which are great. Those are great things to look forward to. But life gets complicated. So what do we do with that? This whole series is the Jesus I know. And, and I don't want to oversimplify life. I'm not gonna try to, you know, to shine it up too much. Life is difficult, we get that. But the Jesus I know, to wrap everything up, the Jesus I know is not complicated. And there's just something in us that we love making simple things complicated. It's just ingrained in us. We don't always mean to, we don't always intend to, but we take something that's simple, and if, it gives, if we get enough time with it, we make it complicated ourselves. I see the same thing, at least in my own life, spiritually speaking. Something that should have been seen as so simple of following Jesus, not saying it's easy. Simple doesn't equal easy. Simple yet very difficult at times, but something that really should be relatively simple 
man, we kind of create something that becomes very complicated. So for me, the Jesus I know is not very complicated. And here's what I want you to hear, and I'm going to put this up on the screen for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And if you know the context here, this is Jesus as an adolescent. This is Jesus before he kicks off his ministry. There's a cool story in Luke where Jesus goes to the temple at the age of 12. And this is basically the sentence that ties Jesus from that early childhood to his adulthood. And here's the one sentence that describes the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know. Jesus grew, and look at this, in wisdom and stature. Wisdom, how he approaches people, the things he knows, not just knowledge, but his experience and how he leads other people. He grew in wisdom and stature, accomplishment, how people viewed him. He grew in wisdom and stature with, look, and and favor with God and man. There's the Jesus I know. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That's pretty simple. Now, difficult. There's a lot to that, but that's Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with us, with God and with other people. And like I said, I don't mean to oversimplify because yes, life is difficult and life most certainly gets complicated, but our spiritual lives, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's go back to maybe those basics. Let's go back to that spring break feeling of, okay, When everything is working, which it never works out to plan, but when I'm focused on Jesus, it's kind of simple. And then when the difficulties come, when the rain and the storms come, well, it maybe throws a kink in things, but it's still kind of simple. I know what I'm called to do. I know what Jesus expects of me. Because that one sentence that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, that's how he led his disciples He led his small group of followers to do just that, to grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. That's the man of God I want to be. I want people to be able to save me. Man, he grew in wisdom and stature, not necessarily height stature, that ship has sailed, but figurative stature and favor with God, but also with other people. I want to raise my kids so that people would say of them, wow, those are some young godly men and women where they are being raised in a way where they're growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. It's not that complicated, but we make it complicated. So here's my hope. Like I said, not to oversimplify your life. I'm not even gonna try to do that. I don't even think we could probably do that because life is difficult, life gets complicated. But in our spiritual lives, what if we brought clarity back to it? What we're gonna look at this morning is probably not very new to you. You probably have heard it, you probably know it, you you might have been at least familiar with it. So nothing I share with you is gonna be new, which I thank God for because I have plenty to do with just these couple things. Let's keep it simple. Let's get some clarity back to it. Let's get back to the basics in our spiritual lives because I believe Jesus desires our life not to be complex and complicated and full of distractions and disasters, not necessarily where we feel like we're living on spring break all our life, But what if we kept it a little bit more simple than we've created it, potentially? So here's a suggestion. Here's something to think through. If you want to write this down, I want you to write aha. Put it in your phone. Write it on your worship guide. At least mentally think of the word aha. Because when I say aha, probably something that comes to mind is, ooh, a light bulb moment. Right? It's that lightning strikes moment. Like, oh, I finally get it. It finally clicked. I'm finally there. So I want you to think of an aha moment. As we go through this morning, we're going to share several different things. But I believe one of those is going to hit you right where you need it hit. 
Man, and my life has gotten so complex and, and even trying to follow Jesus has gotten confusing and muddy and complicated. So I'm hoping as we go through God's word this morning, there's gonna be one thing, at least one thing that's your aha moment for this morning that might help you get back to the Jesus I know is not being very complicated. I'm not saying following Jesus is easy, but I do believe it's more simple than we make it out to be. So if you got your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, we get a great parable it's Jesus telling a story. It's towards the beginning of his ministry, in fact. And what we're going to see is there's actually several lessons here. That's why I told you to do aha. Don't focus on every single one of them. Pick one thing that's an aha, but there's going to be two main ones. So you kind of get two sermons for the price of one this morning. We'll see how the timing works out with that. So you got to listen quick. So Luke chapter 8, you get a parable where Jesus is talking not just to his disciples, but as we're going to see, a large crowd. Luke 8 verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So you think of the types of people that are showing up around Jesus. People that have seen Jesus and seen what he's done already. People that have just heard of his miracles and wanted to see it for themselves. People that just saw the crowd and said, that looks like something fun and new. I'll follow the crowd. So you got a wide range of people, all kind of backgrounds and spiritually speaking, a lot of history there. So he finally gets them all together. And he shares this parable, a story with a point. Here's the parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown." Now, if you keep reading, and we're going to at least quickly explain each of those soils that Jesus mentions in his parable, but if you keep reading, Jesus actually explains this parable to, to the full. Most of the times we interpret the parables and they make pretty much common sense for us, but he goes on and says, let me help you understand. Let's make sure there's no discussion, there's no confusion. The point of the parable is pretty simple. You have the seed, which is the word of God, Jesus tells us. And then you have all these different soils which represent the environment or the condition of our heart. So when you hear the word of God, and when we say the word of God, I'm not talking the Bible. The word of God is the gospel, the truth, the good news that Jesus loved us so much. It's that whole John 3:16 thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's why we celebrate Good Friday of Jesus on the cross. But it's also why we celebrate Easter three days later, where Jesus didn't stay in the grave, he came back to life not just in heaven, but lives in our own hearts. So that good news that we can only have life, we can only be in heaven with Jesus if we accept Jesus. That's what Romans 10 tells us. But when we hear that, the question is, how does that seed get planted in our heart? So Jesus gives four environments. Let me go through them quickly. Here's the four. He says the path. The path is a distracted heart. The path is the one that heard Jesus, but man, I've got so many things going on. My life is so complicated right now. I can't even allow it to move from head to heart, right? So distracted, lands on the path and it gets taken away. It doesn't even stand a chance. There's the first environment, the first heart condition. Then it lands on the rocky path, the second one. That describes the heart that hears Jesus, allows the good news to get into their heart, but as soon as something difficult comes their way, it gets choked out. It can't handle it. There's no roots, there's no moisture, as he says. There's no depth to following Jesus. And so as soon as something difficult happens, as soon as a storm blows through, see what I did there? As soon as that blows through, you just can't handle it anymore. And like, no, no, Jesus, this thing isn't for me, right? The third soil, 
heart condition that Jesus mentions. You remember this one? We have the path, we have the rocky, and the, the weeds or the thorns. And that's the one that hears about Jesus and the truth and life that's in him. It moves into their hearts and it begins to take root. But as you grow, you look around and it's like, man, life is actually really good. In fact, life is so good, I don't think I need Jesus anymore. It says that the pleasures of this world, the great things of this world, choke out our relationship with God, where we feel like we, don't, we no longer need to be dependent on him. We, in fact, can do just fine without him. There's the three heart conditions. And then the last one, the fourth one, is the good soil that hears about Jesus, the hope, love, and life that we can only find in him, where it takes deep root in our heart. And as he ends the parable, it says, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Here's the whole point. We, go, we went through those real fast. Here's the point. Environments are important. Jesus says, environments are important. There's two lessons here, and maybe one of these is your aha. Grow and sow. Say it with me. Grow and, one more time, and grow and sow. That's what he's talking about. He's going to simplify what it means to know and follow Jesus, to follow him, to be a disciple of his. He says, you got to grow with me first. And there's a lot of environments that won't allow us to grow in a relationship, right? Think of a marriage. If you're married, there's a lot of environments where that marriage will grow. There's a lot of environments where that marriage will begin to be pulled apart. Parenting, there's a lot of environments that will help you parent. There's also a lot of environments that will begin to rip your family apart. Think of a healthy work environment versus an unhealthy work environment. Healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships, environments are huge. So let me ask you, in your spiritual life, in your relationship with Jesus, are you in environments that allow your relationship with him to grow or not? What's your environment like? Are you in an environment where your relationship with Jesus can grow and thrive and flourish? Or man, there's just so much. It has become so complicated and so complex and there's so many distractions. We've got so many things going on in life that oh, I'm not allowing my relationship with Jesus to take root or even take depth. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you have to be in an environment that allows you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus actually speaks to this a little bit later on in John chapter 15. He loves talking in plant terms, in gardening terms. So if you're a gardener, you're gonna love this. Here's what he says later on, very similar to this idea of what are the two lessons, grow and so here it is, John 15, four and five. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It makes sense. That's gardening 101. If you chop off the roots, if you chop off the vine, the rest of the branch just becomes a stick. It doesn't grow anymore because it's disconnected. Jesus says, you got to stay connected with me. Verse 5, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Look at this. Apart from me, you can do, and what's that word say? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me just have you mentally ask yourself this question. Do you believe that? That apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That's a bold statement coming from him. Oh, Jesus, are you sure it's nothing? Isn't it like kind of nothing? I mean, surely there's some things that I can do on my own. Isn't there some things that I can succeed on my own? Since there's some things that I can achieve on my own. According to Jesus, nothing. Go back to the Jesus I know, the uncomplicated version. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. 
if I want that for my life and for my family and for my kids and for our church and for our community, we have to stay connected to Jesus. Because apart from him, we cannot grow in wisdom. We cannot grow in stature. We cannot grow in favor with God and the people around us. Environments are huge. So again, are you in an environment that allow your relationship with Jesus to grow? Good soil, soil number four. Or do we allow the distractions to take everything away? Is it the difficulties that are choking out the life and hope in us? Is it the good things, the blessings of life? I'm living a blessed life. I don't need anything. Here's a way to check yourself on that. What are you currently praying for? What do you need Jesus to show up and do in your life? If you can't think of anything, maybe you're not quite as aware of how much you need Jesus in your life. Have environments where you are growing with Jesus because the two lessons Jesus gets across, the simple lessons, difficult to live out. It's gonna take us a lifetime to lean in and work on these two, but they are what? Same with me again, grow and sow. Grow and sow. Those environments are huge. Have you ever found yourself in a, usually it comes off of these simple moments. You come back from spring break and you're trying to unpack, come back from vacation, you're trying to get your life back in order. You take one day off work and you have five days work when you come back. You know those kind of moments? When things get so busy, so crazy, so just complex and confusing, when our rhythms get out of whack, we act differently. For example, um, have you ever folded a dirty load of clothes before? I'll admit, Becky and I have done that before. Like, I don't know if these are clean or dirty, but I'm halfway done with them already, right? <laughs> it's, well, why was that? It was because there were so many other things going on that just, you, you just lost it mentally for a moment. Have you ever gone in the morning, you had to wake up extra early for a stressful meeting or a stressful presentation or something, and you walk downstairs, you go through the rhythms of getting your Keurig going, and then you realize you didn't put a coffee mug underneath your Keurig? Been there, Right? Or if you're still old school and you don't use a Keurig, you actually use filters and coffee grounds. That's still a thing I hear, that you forgot to put a coffee filter in and then you just have a bunch of grounds. We do things, when our life gets out of order, we do things out of order. And when we get things out of order, guess what? They don't work very well, do they? So what if we got things back in order? Again, I'm not trying to oversimplify, but the Jesus I know is not complicated. What are those environments that need to be emphasized again? Getting back to the basics. Let's talk about the most obvious one. Church is a great environment where you can grow with Jesus. However, as important and vital as this is, and I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't feel like this was important. And I would even say it's probably more important than you even get credit for. It's vital that this is a part of your environment that allows you to grow. But, however, please do not rely on a 30-minute sermon from me to get you through the entire week. (laughs) I'm not that good of a preacher at all. 30 minutes from me to last you a whole week, there's no way, right? Even one hour. I mean, Patrick does great, great at leading worship and our teams do awesome and our kids and student teams, they do such a phenomenal job of of leading our students, our kids, our whole church and community. But please do not rely on one hour to be the only environment where you're growing in your relationship with Jesus. That is a huge part. It is most certainly not the only part. So let's talk through those. Here's, here's, let me just give you a few things to start thinking through. It's why we do groups. It's why we have Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights. It's why we encourage all kinds of conversations in our kids and student environments. Take this stuff home with you. Please don't just leave it here at church. Take church home. In fact, let me give you some questions to ask. We talk a lot in our family at our dinner table about these Jesus conversations. 
with our kids. So let me put these on the screen for you. Write them down, take a picture of them. Here's a great question to ask yourself, and then I'll give you ones to ask others. Here's some great questions. Who is Jesus? How am I getting to know Jesus? And how am I continuing to follow Jesus? A great way to have an environment where you're growing with Jesus is reading his word and spending time in prayer. But if you do so, do so with those questions in mind. As you're reading through Luke, if you're doing our Luke Bible reading plan, here's our last week for it. As you're reading something out of God's word, say, okay, well, who is Jesus? Is he teacher? Is he master? Is he Lord? Is he savior? Is he creator? Well, who is he in this moment? What do I need to learn about him? Well, what does it mean to follow him? Continue to follow him. Ask yourself those rhetorical questions and you will be in an environment where your relationship with Jesus will grow. Here's what you can ask other people because bring other people into this conversation. Your relationship with Jesus is not in isolation. It's with the people around you. And that doesn't always mean you have to go and preach to them. It's simple conversations. Here's what you can ask other people. Put these up there. What is Jesus teaching you? What is Jesus teaching you? In other words, that helps you know what somebody's going through. What is, how's Jesus showing up in your life? What has Jesus done in your life recently? Tell me something that, that moved you from there to here. Where has Jesus shown up in a difficult time where he's had to show up? Tell me about that time. What's Jesus done for you recently? What are you currently praying for? Gives insight into the struggles that we have with our lives, the complicated stuff that we constantly deal with. Make these Jesus conversations part of your day. Like I said, Becky and I, we make these very intentional at our dinner table. So you and your family, dinner's a great time to ask you, your spouse, your kids, your family members, what's Jesus doing in your life right now? What is he teaching you in your life? Because what you're doing is you're creating a great family moment, dinner table, but you're creating it to be an environment where your relationship with Jesus can grow. Once again, are you in an environment where your relationship with Jesus can grow? Or have our environments gotten out of order? And again, when they get out of order, they stop working. Martin Luther, a theologian, he said it this way. He said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend three hours in prayer. I love that. Usually we start to chop off things, right? Well, I have so much to do today. I've got to not do this, not do this, not do this, not do this. And let's be honest, I'll admit it. Man, usually our spiritual stuff is the first to go. And Martin Luther says, no, no, no. We've got to, let's get things back the way they were. It's not meant to be complicated. It's kind of simple. I've got so much to do today. I need to start with three hours of prayer. I need to start with Jesus. Because again, go back to John 15. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. So what makes me think I can start a busy day, a stressful day, a hectic day, a complicated day apart from Jesus? The two lessons out of the parable of the sower is what the two words are, grow and sow. Are you in an environment where your relationship with Jesus can grow? So here's a way to make this real in your life. I will grow by... Start listing something out in your head. Write them down if you need to. I will grow by. Let me just rattle off a few thoughts or ideas. These don't have to be it, but maybe these, one of these will hit you as your aha. Attend one more Sunday than you normally do. Read the verse of the day once a day. Read through a Bible reading plan. Get a Devo. Use our Right Now media software that we have. If you don't have that, find me in the lobby and I'll get you all hooked up. It's all free for you. Have a Jesus conversation once a week. Work on praying, fasting, journaling, listening, writing, going all through what we might call those spiritual disciplines. In other words, getting to know Jesus. I will grow by. Now let me give one, one little sidebar here. 
Oftentimes when I have this conversation with somebody, he's like, but I just don't know enough yet. I'm still trying to learn. I'm not opposed to learning more about Jesus. But let me just throw this out for you. If we would do what we already knew, we would grow more than we think we would. Sometimes you just got to start where you are. Instead of, well, once I learn more, once I understand more, then I will. No, we know a good amount. I bet we could go around this room. You know more than you probably think you know. But we're not going to know everything. So start where you are. Do what you know. James tells us, don't just merely listen to God's word. Do what it says. So let's start there in creating environments where we're growing with Jesus. All right, so there's grow. Let's head over to the so part. If you go back to the parable, verse 5, Jesus begins the parable with this. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. And then he goes on to explain those four different environments, those four different heart conditions. Now, what's interesting is this kicks off a new phase in Jesus's ministry. If you continue to follow him through Luke and even the rest of the gospels in chronological order, this parable of the sower launches him into a new phase with his followers. Let me show you what I mean. So that's Luke chapter eight where Jesus says, here's the big picture. I want you to grow with me, but I also want you to be able to scatter. I want you to sow. He moves forward the next chapter, Luke chapter nine, which says, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure disease. He sent them out to proclaim the good news of God and to heal the sick. So he set out, so they set out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So one chapter later, a short time later, Jesus goes from, here's what I'm expecting of you. It's pretty simple. Grow with me and sow with other people. Tell other people. Be the light and the love to other people. Short time later, he says, now go do that. The 12 disciples, he sends them out. One chapter later, again, now we're in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. So then another chapter later, you have not just 12. How many was it? Now we have 72. He says, now you go and tell other people. Then you get to the crucifixion, the resurrection, and right after the resurrection, many of you know this as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go, go make disciples, go tell others. Do you see how this has shifted in Jesus's ministry? He spent the first part healing and doing miracles, and he continues to do that, but there's an obvious shift with his followers. He says, grow with me, but now your life is really starting. It starts here. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we use the phrase a born-again Christian after we celebrate your baptism. Well, that's because your life is beginning right now. And what's our life to do? Well, it's kind of simple. Jesus doesn't overcomplicate it. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. That's exactly what we're called to do. The life and love and hope that we have because of Jesus, we have the privilege, the opportunity, and even responsibility to tell other people about that. Jesus uses the phrase, he says, to sow a seed, and he was, do you remember how he sowed the seed? There was a very important word there that described the how. Do you remember? Did he just place it intentionally one seed at a time? No, it was scattered, wasn't it? And Jesus is very intentional with that word because so often, this is the part that as Christians, we start to shrink back and, I don't mind going to church. I don't mind reading my Bible. I don't mind getting to know Jesus and growing with him. Oh, you want me to like go and preach to somebody else? No, 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 time out. (laughs) This idea of scattering the good news of Jesus is so much more than mission trips and preaching because often that's what we think too, isn't it? where I have my little seed of Jesus and I need to go and place it in one person and then I'll wait for another opportunity. 
Well, once I raise enough money, I'll do a mission trip. There we go. I'm going to really learn how to tell somebody my testimony because I'm in the South and that's what we do. We tell people our testimonies. I need to tell one person that. Is that a, is that a smart business plan? No. He says, no, no, we're going to scatter our seed. And maybe that seems and feels a little wasteful because we're not just going to end up. No, we're looking at every opportunity. Scripture tells us to make the most of every opportunity we have. But it is more than mission trips and preaching and evangelizing. It is who we are with people in our lives. We spent an entire series living out John 13 that tells us if you want to know, if Jesus says, if you want people to know you're my disciples, we'll love people. Love people well. So how are we treating people? How are we talking to people? How do we talk about people? What are we like when nobody's looking? Are we an example? Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. How do we live our lives in a way that is scattering the good news of Jesus? So we grow, but we also sow. What does it look like for you to begin to sow or scatter the good news and the love of Jesus with the people around you? Write it down. Maybe this is an aha for you. Here's a way that you can sow. Serving in the church, serving the community, investing in the people around you, telling somebody your story, not to overemphasize it, but it's a certainly a great opportunity. It's inviting people to Easter. It's saying, come and hear the good news of Jesus. It's having a conversation with them after you invite them to church or a group or to CR or another environment where you get to have a conversation with them. And here's why all of those sowing opportunities are so important. You never know what that one seed planted might grow into. Let me say again, you never know, you have no idea what that one seed planted might grow into. See, our job is to be seed planters. We can't make things grow. It's not our job. Our job is not to change people and change other people's hearts. We worry about our own heart. Oh, but you never know what that one seed planted might turn into, what it might grow into. Parents, think of that with your kids. The seeds that you're planting with your kids, the way that you're talking with them, the way that they watch you interact with hus as husband and wife and interacting with each other, with people at work, how you talk about your boss, all the things that your kids are watching and listening. Who knows what that's going to grow into? Who knows? The seed that you plant, who knows what that might grow into? So how will you begin to sow or scatter seed? Again, think outside of just mission trips and preaching and testimonies. It's how you live. If people look at you, do they see Jesus? And they look at you, do they see hope, life? Or do they see a complicated, confused mess? Now, what's great, we talked about this several weeks ago, Jesus meets us right where we're at. So if you're a complicated mess, welcome to the club. That's why we have hope and grace. But do they see Jesus? The two lessons, say them one more time with me. Grow and sow. It's not intended to be complicated. And again, we will spend our lifetime working on those two, growing in our relationship with Jesus, but also with other people, telling other people, allowing other people to see Jesus in our lives. Because you never know, you never know what that small seed planted might grow into. Let me read Luke one more time. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's not overcomplicate it. 
It's not oversimplified. There's a lot to do there. There's plenty to work on there. But let's not overcomplicate it. What environments are allowing you to grow in and who are the people in your life that Jesus is giving you an opportunity to point them to him? Mentioned a theologian, Martin Luther, earlier. Let me mention one last great theologian, the great Dabo Sweeney of Clemson football. After he won a national championship, so you should listen to him, here's what he said. He said, national championships are won when the stadium is empty. I love that. National championships are won when the stadium is empty. In other words, when no one's around, when it's not game day. If you're a follower of Jesus, Sunday's your game day, right? You, you get your best on and you show up and man, it's just a great time of celebrating, but it's one hour a week, if that. So what are you doing the rest of the time? It's the behind the scenes work and it is effort and it is a constant, constant battle to fight against the complications and distractions of life. And like I said, I'm not trying to oversimplify your life. But in our spiritual lives of following Jesus, let's not overcomplicate it. May we follow Jesus in his example, where we grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you'll close your eyes just for a moment, do your best to put all distractions out, including the rain on a metal tin roof. And I wanna ask you just three quick questions. First of all, have you ever fully received the word of God? In this parable, it starts out with a farmer sowing his seed and then explains the ground that it landed on. Has the word of God, has the gospel, has the good news of Jesus landed in your hearts or are you just aware of it? Have you fully said, Jesus, I know it and I believe it with all my heart. Romans tells us that we, when we believe in our heart and we express with our mouth that you are Lord, that's when we're saved. Where has the word of God, where has the good news of Jesus landed in your heart? Second question, what is the current condition of your heart? What are the environments your heart is in? Is it the path? Is it rocky? Is it the thorns and weeds? Or is it that good soil? What environments are you currently involved in? And I'm not saying you need to, to forget every other place that you live and work and play and just solely be in a Christian bubble, not at all. But do you have the right environments where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus? Last question, last question. How do you begin to show people Jesus? We grow with Jesus with the environments we live in. We show Jesus with the people that are around us. How will we grow? How will we sow? Jesus, thank you so much for not overcomplicating things. We do that. We do a great job of overcomplicating things on our own. But Jesus, you show us what it looks like to, to lean into the most important. And may we get back to a, not so much a simple life, but a simpler life where we are focused on you in two ways growing with you, with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind, and telling other people who you are. Jesus, let's not overcomplicate that. And there's so many other things in our lives that are just jockeying for our attention and our time and our resources and our kids and our families. And all of those are, are probably great things in and of itself, as long as we have them in the right order. So Jesus, may we get our environments in order or else they'll stop working with our marriages, with our kids, with our families, in our workplace, and our communities. May we, may we have things in the right order so we can grow with you. 
Jesus, I would pray that you would begin to intentionally put moments in our lives that we recognize as seed moments. Because we have no idea what that one moment, that one phrase, that one prayer, that one way we acted or didn't act, what that could grow into in somebody else's life. May we feel the good burden of being your followers. May we grow with you and may we tell others all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.